Hey everyone, welcome to the C3 Church Global Podcast. I'm Phil Pringle, the host of our podcast show here. And I'm looking forward to talking today with Josh Kelsey, Senior Pastor of C3 New York City in New York, Paris and Berlin. This episode was originally recorded as an Instagram Live. So uh, you might find the audio is a little less in quality than our normal, but the content is certainly something I wanted to share with you this week. Hope you love it. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, good, Pastor Phil. How are you? Good. You look like you're in Cabana with, uh, you know, one of those those beautiful exactly <laughs> <laughs> look at this what look at this wallpaper trying to get into paradise during quarantine are you, are you, you, that's wallpaper it's not an actual garden no exactly yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's very 3d-ish isn't it i know it feels real <laughs> i think you're, you're you're looking like dr livingston in the jungles of africa man that was the look i was going for <laughs> well successful yeah hey how are you? Good. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. It's suddenly gotten cold here in Sydney. I saw that. Yeah, it's warmer here now than yeah. where you guys are. Yeah, well, you, you guys are just coming up into summer, right? And Yep, uh, yep and exactly. So I think tomorrow is going to be about 26 degrees, which would be awesome. You're kidding. Yep. They're in New York City. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's nice. And, and people will be able to get out a bit and walk around and uh, not be so housebound. Exactly. Yeah. How are you coping with it all? Yeah, it's uh, good days, bad days, but um, but I feel like there's more good days now. The the rhythm of it is more good than bad. So everyone everyone here is handling it day at a time, of course. And uh, but from a church perspective, the church has been so encouraging, unified, really strong. Even though it's an epicenter here, they've just responded so well. I see there's a few other places that are now becoming like epicenters around the USA. So, you know, yeah, the focus has shifted off New York. But at one stage there, it was terrible, wasn't it, where they were using mm-hmm. um, refrigerated trucks as morgues. And I mean, yeah. that must have been terrible, terrible times for you. In terms of people in your church, did, were you facing, uh, you know, many uh people uh, who were sick or passing away in, in your own congregation? Um, yeah, there's no one in our congregation that I know of that's passed away, but relatives, so, you know, fathers or um, grandparents, um, so a lot, of, a lot of relatives. But I could be wrong, but we're fortunate that we haven't seen anyone actually in our church pass away, which is, uh, uh, you know, amazing. We're thanking God it's for miraculous. that. Yeah, mm. exactly. So praise God for that. And yeah, but a lot of people dealing with grief of loved ones, basically. So we're just trying to help people there. And then obviously a lot of, lot of job loss, um, but the church is really rallying to support each other. And it's been amazing. People covering each other's rents and paying for groceries or supporting their local restaurants to keep them going, which I know you guys are doing in many other places, which is just so cool to see the generosity of the church rise. That's incredible. You know, um, uh, in the Old Testament, in that day of Passover, when all the Israelites were told to sacrifice a lamb for the house and, and, uh, and when they put that blood over the, the doorposts, over the, over the doorway of the house, that death passed over them. And uh, 
That's why we Amazing. get Jesus the Passover lamb. Amazing. And I think his presence in our people's lives affords a great deal of protection uh, against plagues. And that was a plague yes. that hit Egypt that night. And, uh, and they were in lockdown. <laughs> they were told to stay inside their houses. Sure. They wanted to, wanted to stay safe from, uh, from that plague. And, and I guess it's been amplified by the fact that only one or two people can go to the funeral. Exactly. I, I think for our frontline workers, that's, um, and for obviously family members, not being able to share that experience to grieve and mourn properly, or the frontline workers are having to let family members know through FaceTime um, and the family members can't be by their bedside. I mean, that, that's been the heart-wrenching, heartbreaking stories that you hear, just so many families in that position. So, but, uh, but yeah, I think the, the response of New York City has been amazing and um, there's still, still a lot to travel through in terms of where, where this takes us in terms of gatherings. I think it's going to be a long time before people uh, in their psychology feel okay to be in the same room. Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy, but I I get it. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's, it's been a, been a rough ride, but I think we're seeing some hope. Well, Josh, it's a credit to you and your leadership and Georgie and the team there, because, um, you don't find out what anything is made of until it's in the fire, until it's under pressure. And the fact that you've done so well speaks well that you've, you built the house on the solid rock. Yeah, I think Georgie's done better than I have. So, the <laughs> but hey, no, um, it's it's been awesome. Yeah, well, it's so nice to talk to you, Joshua. And uh, of of course, we've known each other all your life, and uh, and uh, <laughs> it's so it's um, such a joy to see you and uh, rise up within our own congregation here as the son of Mark and Bernie, and uh, one of three beautiful children, and. Uh, and now here you are doing what they did. They went to New York for 12 years, I think it was, wasn't it? And, uh, and you were part of that. Mm-hmm. And now then you came back, you helped us in the ministry here in Sydney and then decided you were going to go all the way to New York. I, I wanted somebody to go to Melbourne, but you, th- <laughs> you felt, no, 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 I really, really am feeling New York. So we agreed to that and we said, yep, let's do it. And, the rest is history. It's all, you know, looked uh, like, I mean, I'm sure it hasn't been easy uh, or painless, but certainly the fruit is uh, really showing well right now. So w- one of the things that you've used extremely well, and I want to talk about several things. We, we talked about cracking the social media code, uh, which is a term I heard from my good friend and yours, uh, John Cameron. He said, Josh Kelsey has cracked the, the social media code. And I thought, that's a great <laughs> statement. So I thought I'll, I'll just borrow that from, from John and, uh, and talk, talk a bit about that because a lot of us are all fingers and thumbs when it comes to social media and we don't quite know how to harness the power of it or, uh, and especially in these times when every pastor and leader and connect group leader on earth needs to understand how to harness these sort of moments, the IG Live, uh, Zoom, whatever. And then what we put up and how we do that, I think, becomes really important. So can you convey some of your journey from the early days as to how you did harness the power of social media? 
Yeah, thanks, Pastor Phil. Yeah, I'm not sure if we have cracked the code, but I'll share some of my thinking and um, and thoughts. One of the first things I started to think about with the phone and Instagram is that I don't, I don't know where I got this thought, but I realized I think it's the new stained glass window for the church. Um, and back, obviously, hundreds of years ago, that was the way that the church displayed the glory of God by using these windows and then reflecting light and the sunlight through them. And I thought, imagine if we treated our phones like stained glass windows, because whether we like, like it or not, this is what people are looking at. And so if we can put a beautiful image that conveys the the glory of God um, and, and kind of show them a different way, uh, a different filter uh, and realize that church isn't irrelevant, that God God is for them, that God loves them, and not just promoting uh, events or promoting things that your church are doing, but actually showing the beauty of humanity, the, the image of God here on earth, showing human stories, and also just, just all the good things that God has created. How can you t- really harness the beauty of God and put it on this phone in such a way that people would be surprised that have never been to church. And so early on on our Instagram account, that was kind of what we would teach our creatives, treat Instagram, treat social media as a stained glass window. And if it is a stained glass window, what are you going to paint on that? What are you going to create on that? And uh, that was kind of our starting place. That's, that's, that's incredible. So um, it's great to project a vision for what kind of content you're going to put on that. Um, but then you've, you've got to know that the people who are actually doing it are skilled enough to convey what you're doing. I mean, it's not like in the art world, people who can't even do the basics of art can scribble a bit and pass it off as abstract. Uh, you, you cannot do that in the social media world. You need to know how to film, how to frame, how to have the right kind of copy, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And so, where did you harvest, or, or that's not maybe the right word, but gather uh, people who had those kind of skills? Yeah, I mean, early early days, it was like me being frustrated on a computer, <laughs> and then eventually, some. Um, well, actually, the story goes like this: I got so frustrated one day, and then Georgie said, "Well, let's just let's just pray for graphic designers." And I said, okay, that sounds like a great idea. And literally we prayed <laughs> on a Saturday and the next, uh, the next day on a Sunday, five graphic designers joined our church, um, which just, again, I think the power of prayer cannot be underestimated, even on things that seem kind of mundane or like, you know, something about social media or a designer. I think so often we're working in the flesh even when it comes to something like social media, but everything should be generated by the spirit. So if you have a heart for it or you're frustrated about your social media or, Hey, I don't have enough people begin to pray. Just ask God, God, bring the right people. So that, that was a a big shift in our thinking is like God wants to provide for us. And then people started coming in and really the, the lessons we learned with those people, not everyone, you know, was maybe at the caliber was really about, setting expectations really clearly because one of the most difficult things to do is have people design stuff that maybe not fit the vision or the quality that you want. 
And so I think setting expectations before people start designing so that they know there's going to be feedback or changes or, or ways of, um, or even things that you're not going to use so they don't take it personally. Um, cause then you feel obligated to use everything that people design. And then on the other side is understanding you've got to grow with people. So not everything's going to be to the standard that you want straight away, but you've got to believe in someone and sometimes post something that is not exactly what you want. Um, but at least it's a start and then give feedback and, and grow with it. And also seeing the response or the non-response gives you an opportunity to say, okay, what else can we do? And, and create, create forums of collaborative work and discussion so you can actually help them on their journey in designing. Um, and I think the other big thing is really getting them to own the vision versus you telling them what to create. And so uh, we would always treat designers and, and still to this day, we, um, they're the geniuses, you know, that they, they've got skills and giftings on their life. Um, they see things in a different way. So, there were many seasons where we would um, have designers design things that I never, I never saw that that could be a reality, but they created something and that set a direction for our church that was beautiful. But if they just asked me for the idea, I wouldn't have come up with it. So I think empowering the genius in each person, really believing in it, and then growing with people along the journey. Yeah, that's, uh, the, some of the things you said raise all kinds of wonderful questions. Uh, one is like when you need to give feedback and as you say, some people are sensitive and sometimes in the artistic world, you might find that uh, that has increased, that the, the potential for offence is increased if you don't use what they've created or you come back with feedback and say, hey, it needs to be like this. And the feeling is, uh, I know in, in my own world, because we've worked with uh, the creative world a lot over the years, uh, sometimes uh, people are not built to receive or haven't been prepared to receive the feedback. Others are hungry for it and thrive on it. And um, the thing is, as a, to, be, to be a pastor, uh, some might think, well, you're a pastor. What are you going to know about all this sort of thing? And so <laughs> that's easy to dismiss that. But if the end yeah. result isn't what you are actually aiming to achieve, uh, I think – we, we can't use art for art's sake. We've got to use it for a purpose. To, yes. And so we become artisans in a way that are using our crafts for an end. And that's why we have C3 College where we train people in arts uh, so that they can be useful in church life to br bring things and not just um, try and have a, a, a showcase for their, for their designs. Um, so I guess my question, long time getting to it, is uh, how have you approached the feedback thing where leaders are instructing creatives on their skills and, and what, they, what you're wanting to produce? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, such a good question and such a, a hard balance and, and definitely a daily pursuit. Um, I think it's about a deeper culture that we've tried to ingrain from day one in every area of our leadership and our church and our serving is that when, when you come to C3NYC, you're valued for who you are, not what you do. And really, in, it's really awesome. trying, to, trying to get into their heart. Listen, whether this works out or not, we just love you and we, we value you and you'll find your grace zone. This may or may not be it, but don't take that 
as a sign that you're not valued here. And so you really got to not assume people think that because it's so, so, so human nature to place our identity in someone else's praise or someone else's acceptance of what we do rather than who we are. And we've said we would rather you not serve and get your identity in Christ stronger than out of the overflow of your identity in Christ, then begin to serve. And so that, that was learned from obviously years serving under you and Pastor Chris and uh, in my own life as well, looking for the acceptance and the praise of people. Um, and so I knew that to be true for me, but, but also I saw it in the mistakes I made as a leader that if I didn't say that and really show that I would find myself in hot water with people and conversations because I realized that they're, they're so attaching their worth to whether I want to use their stuff or not. And, and so if that begins to happen, you've got to, it's better to wind back the clock and create less stuff until their identity is secure again in the grace of Jesus and the love of Jesus. Cause eventually it's going to, it's going to fall apart um, because there is every, everyone comes to that point in their conversation where you're like, this isn't working and you need to redo it. And, because it and I back to your thought about purpose and vision. The other side of that is really explaining. Listen, this is not this is not about you. This is about the church. This is about bringing glory to God. This is about seeing people come to Christ. And you need to own that vision. Otherwise, it just becomes about cool images and and it's the same for say worship or other areas that are more platform based or seen by a lot of uh, people really installing that kind of culture of you are valued for who you are, not what you do. That's awesome. Because it is inevitable that and the artistic process is never completed the first time around. It's like writing a book, like all kinds of things. I I remember hearing how Harrison Ford hated the director. And I've just, his name's, you know, escapes me right now, uh, of Blade Runner, the original uh, Blade Runner, uh, because he made Rid- him Ridley Scott. Yeah, Ridley Scott. He made, yeah, he just hated him because there were some scenes that he just made him do do them again and again and again and again until it was, you know, perfect. I remember Chris, uh, my wife, when she was recording her very first album, uh, the engineer, you know, he'd listened to and he said, oh, let's just do that one more time. Oh, can we, can we just uh, have another shot at that? Oh, just one for safety's sake. And, uh, you know, it, it, some some takes were like 50 times and you cannot afford to be sensitive. You've got to realize that this person is trying to get me to maximize my potential and to do the very so best true. I can. And and that's for the glory of God. That's your stained glass window. That's, you know, for the for the purpose of the church. So I think uh, I, I, I want to ask you a question, though, because I know there's, you know, about how you value your people, you say you want them to know they're valued. Mm. How do you how do you show that? I mean, it's it's easy to say, oh, we value you, but I get that on the phone. You know, like <laughs> when you're left on the phone, like for 15 minutes, we value your call. Please wait. Mm. We value your call, and I'm going like, I don't think you really value me at all. You you just got a, a saying that, and you're making me wait. If you if you really value me, you wouldn't have me hanging around here for this long. And, uh, and then there's other people who they just answer the phone within two rings and you feel like, okay, you you value your customer. How have you valued your, your team? Yeah, no, it's, um, being really 
really present in every conversation. I think a lot of times we can be present when we know we can get something out of the the conversation or out of the relationship. And so just being, and you, you've taught me this past Phil, just like I can sense that you're, you're, you're focused on this conversation, you're not looking to the next one. So I think having that culture in your, in your foyer, in your church, and now on Instagram, you know, we have a team of people responding to all the, all the uh, direct messages and comments and, and celebrating when someone shares something. And so even if they're not creating something, just having that culture of, Hey, we're here for you. We want to, we want to reply to a prayer request as much as we want to focus on creating uh, something. And so I think it, it's really, really being present, really focused and not, as you say, not just saying it, but when you don't know when that moment will come, but when someone needs help or needs prayer, we've really tried to teach people don't say, yeah, I'll pray for you. Just pray right away and even write a prayer in the text or, or call or call them straight away and just pray. So having that, that kind of culture of quick response to, to moments where someone needs to feel valued. And that's, that's really important. That goes a long way. Totally. I think, I think that idea of texting a prayer, that's really good. I've never done that. And I think that's awesome, but that's definitely what I would teach. Yeah. When somebody says, pray for, pray for us, would you, I say, good, let's do it right now. And that's especially good, I've found, with people who don't know the Lord, who are, you know, on a plane, not these days, yes. but, you know, <laughs> so, and, and they say, you know, i got a problem. I say, well, I'm a pastor. And they say, well, can you send one up for me? I say, sure, let's do it right now. Let's do it right now, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, so, and so they go, what? And, and, but that, you know, those sort of moments can lead into uh, great opportunities. Okay, so let's just shift the... Uh, the, the 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 direction here, uh, uh, Ted. First of all, uh, before we go into this direction, I, I, we need to talk about what you're actually doing. You're in five boroughs of New York City right now. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we'd be across all of them in, in terms of dinner parties, but we're five locations in three boroughs. Three boroughs. Okay, five locations in three boroughs. Can you can you tell me what they are? Yes, yeah, so three in Brooklyn, one in Manhattan, and one in Queens. Okay, and you started in Brooklyn. Correct. Yeah, such a so such we started, a. Um, started in Williamsburg, um, and then the next one was Bushwick, then Manhattan, then downtown Brooklyn, then Queens. So I've been to Williamsburg and Bushwick. I think both yep. incredible yep. services, mm-hmm. really great. And you've just kept spreading, and you, you're like halfway to 10,000 people by now, I imagine. And uh, yeah, I know at Easter into, you had that many. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Just so cool. Friends, friends, friends bringing friends. And, uh, you know, it's just incredible when you build confidence for someone and how they invite others, um, that they feel like they can trust your service and trust your shepherding and the team and the culture and the vision. Um, I think that's, it's just been amazing to see the team really trust that and invite friends. Well, it's incredible, Josh, because I mean, New York is, is famous for cynicism. It, you know, it's the most, it's a hard bitten city. It's, it's the place where all, all, all the cynics are going to you know, dismiss God and all that. We might think of the Bible belt down in America and that Southern States and in, 
you know, some, some parts of California maybe and then northern there, but certainly not that East Coast, New, New York, Boston, all these places. And yet here you are in the middle of that reaching uh, a young adult population mostly, as I understand it. Uh, that What do you attribute that to? Like most people would say, oh, it's just going to be so hard. But, and yet you've seen a, a great harvest come to pass. Yeah, I, 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 as I reflect a few things, I think big time um, the churches that have gone before us, I think guys like um, Tim Keller and Brooklyn Tabernacle and Times Square Church, the, the Wilkerson's, um, I think you, you can never discredit the forefathers that have gone before you, the prayers that have been prayed, even from my parents and even you, you and Pastor Chris, I know, have such a heart for New York and global cities uh, through the decades. So I think we're really living in the answered prayer uh, of others, um, just like when mums pray for their sons or their daughters um, and they, they get saved or come back to the Lord. I, I just feel like what God's done in the last seven years, it's supernatural grace um, and it cannot be accredited to us or our, our skills, although we have to steward it and and say yes and be obedient. I really do feel like we're living in the prayers of someone else and the, and the, the ground that's been toiled before us. The other thing I'd say is there's quite unusual and peculiar unity in the church that when we arrived um, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me that he was commanding a blessing because of the unity amongst the churches. So each church mm. um, has been blessed. So I think Hillsong, New York and uh, Redeemer and Trinity Grace and Church of the City, there's a lot of great churches in the city and there's a great relationship. People really are for each other. Um, so I think unity in a city does mean that every church gets blessed. Um, and there's, there's something about that that just moves the heart of God where he, he, can, he can move on hearts and bring salvation and build a church. Um, and, and then I think um, for, for us personally, for Georgie and I, we did approach it like everyone said it's impossible. Everyone said where we were going is a graveyard of churches. And we just thought, you know what, let's, let's see it differently. Let's have a different perspective. So it was more like a Joshua and Caleb perspective versus the other spies and everything that everyone said was hard i thought that's an opportunity and because i I feel like the holy spirit gave us that position that perspective and that posture the lord blessed it and he gave us the courage to overcome incredible let's uh move on to just one other thing that you're you've become quite well known for uh and that is dinner parties and the first time i heard of them it came out of your congregations there. So I'm not sure if you got it from anywhere else, but it might have been a, you know, a strategy inspired in your own hearts from the Holy Spirit. Tell us about dinner parties. Yeah. Um, when no one got uh, visas or um, jobs to land with us, even though you were very kind and saying, yeah, if anyone can go and we, we uh, obviously talk through that and prove people to come with us, then you were very gracious but unfortunately no one made it when we landed and my (laughs) (laughs) so my my thought was like okay we'll do pre-services and we'll get worship going and that was kind of I didn't really think about dinner parties or small groups until I had to rethink my strategy 
and so we began to pray and ask God and, and this phrase dinner parties came to Joji and I, and we just both kind of turned to each other and said, what if we called small groups dinner parties and really welcome people in with the spirit of hospitality and um, having great food around the table. And we felt like New Yorkers wouldn't say no to a dinner party and reclaiming something <laughs> yeah. that I think is, is what Jesus called us to, which is to the table. You know, the, the last thing Jesus does before the garden and the cross is he's at a table when he's before he ascends, he's at a table. Uh, the church is in the upper room and then there's huge crowds get saved. And then how do they establish and disciple everyone? They go back to the table. So I think there's this beautiful blueprint. And I just began to see tables everywhere in scripture. I just saw dinner parties everywhere. I saw it's how Jesus won sinners. It's how he reinstated Zacchaeus and he paid four, four times back. Uh, just everywhere. The, the woman that, that uh, was Mary's saved uh, ex-prostitute. Where was it? At the, it was at a table that she worshipped him and broke open the, the perfume. And so just tables everywhere. And I thought, you know what? There's no building big enough to hold the church that's in God's heart. But there's already apartments and tables that house the whole city. So I believe this is an unlimited model. And now it's proving to be the case even more because I think the first thing that will come back online is the table, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's a, it, that's a revelation. It, whenever you get a revelation of a strategy from God, you can't see anything else yeah. in Scripture. It's like yeah. everywhere you look, that thing is there. And it's strange, isn't it? You know, it's just one of those moments that God gives a leader a particular strategy forward. So moving to a close, uh, Josh, we're already at uh, 30 minutes, but we, we'll go another like maybe five, 10 minutes if, you, if you're okay with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, okay, your leadership style. Uh, l let's talk about that because as, as people uh, as change and society changes and culture changes, I've been doing this for nearly 50 years and seen uh, the, you know, the, the idea of flat management being promoted, the idea of uh, three-tier hierarchy be promoted, the idea of uh, sort of friendship leadership and then servant leadership and then strong, confident, ruthless leadership, all these sorts of different styles that have been promoted and sometimes in their own sphere being extremely successful. Uh, and it, our style generally overall has been a discipling style of leadership. We try and lead people by inclusion uh, and being a team together, respecting, as you said, the genius, uh, the gifts that are in each of the team and letting that evolve, but let the, the leader be the leader and project vision and the big decisions. Uh, my observation, and I could be wrong with your style of leadership, is that you are a stronger leader than you appear. And uh, I think people might think, oh, gentle Josh, you know, but uh, <laughs> actually Josh is able to uh, make some decisions and tell people what they need to do and hold them to account. Uh, so can you talk through what you you would see your style of leadership as. Maybe I should be asking Georgie this question, but anyway, yeah, uh, exactly. you have a go at, at, at describing yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I've personally struggled with my own leadership style because I don't, you know, I, I can't necessarily relate to maybe 
some of the more charismatic leaders. I've had to really work on that side of myself where I, I don't think I'm, um, you know, as magnanimous as others or charismatic or uh, magnetic, perhaps, uh, even in my speaking and my preaching. But I do have a sense of deep calling, um, a deep conviction. So it's more of an internal knowing that God is with me and that he's given us a vision. And so that's really where the, that's the engine room of my leadership is um, God has done a lot in my heart that even though my style may be different or I, you may not see me coming, um, I'm not going to give up. And uh, there's a, there's a tenacity and a perseverance. Um, I'm very personally driven. Um, you know, we were at a men's retreat a couple of years ago and I hadn't worked out in a while and uh, we had a burpee contest and I won the burpee <laughs> contest, not because I was fitter than the younger guys, but I just have this internal drive um, that's quite strong. So I think wh- whenever that's used for the glory of God, it's, it's um, I think it's beneficial. Um, it's when it's not submitted that it can turn into more probably selfish ambition. Um, and so I, my, my journey has just been really surrendering that. I believe it's from God. Um, I believe it's, 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 he made me that way and he's also shaped it. So as long as I keep that submitted and surrendered, um, it becomes a gift to the body of Christ, hopefully, and helps call people higher. And, and also I think my leadership style is I I want, I really want to see people thrive in the kingdom of God. I want to see the fullness of their gifts, the fullness of their office, the fullness of whatever God has called them to do. So I'm really driven to release the the brilliance in them, but connect it to the importance of the church. I feel like the the church is so boohooed and belittled, uh, almost laughed at and mocked, and that really that drives me up the wall. Um, <laughs> and so I feel this conviction um, from from you, Pastor Phil, and just growing up in C three for the last four decades. I, I feel like I'm here on the planet to show that the church is the hope it's the answer and i just have such a strong conviction even though i may not be as brilliant as some other leaders i have i i feel committed to that and to god it's uh it's an awesome thing i the culture in your team is beautiful i mean the the nature and the character of your congregation members just just wonderful i was there to uh celebrate and be part of that uh, Broadway style show that you put on uh, with your is it Hamilton? Uh, yeah, um, Anthony Ramos. Yeah, he was in in Hamilton. Yeah, it was it was amazing. He's he's a member in your congregation. Yeah, so he was part of the lead, um, the first cast when Hamilton uh, really took off, and um, it was amazing because he came into our church. Uh, unemployed um but super you know super gifted super talented i remember him literally the first year when we first started coming to church you know brooklyn (laughs) born brooklyn born and bred and um and he began to pray and we prayed together and believed for a great role anyway he came (laughs) up to me and said oh i got this this off-broadway role uh for this thing called hamilton i was like oh that's great we celebrated (laughs) i didn't think much of it um, in the sense of I was happy for him, he got work, but I didn't, I didn't know what it was right. going to be, become. And then 
I was sitting in uh, Union Square Park with him one day having lunch and then all these people are coming up to him. This is like three years later after he started. And I'm like, right. what, what's going on? And I uh, realized he's like, oh, I'm in Hamilton. I still didn't even really know what it was. And then he, and I looked it up. I'm like, oh my gosh, the, it's the most successful Broadway play uh, ever. And uh, just amazing to see what God God can do with people as they surrender. It is, and, and it is astonishing. Seen that so many times with business people uh, and you know artists in church. Uh, just a couple of questions that uh, some guys gave us. Um, Steve Burgess, you know Steve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His question is, "What is the internet? Yeah. Uh, do you think MySpace will make a comeback? And why, Josh? Why don't you ever like my posts? You know. So let's well, just concentrate on that last one." Just for a brief moment, give him a couple words of encouragement. Poor Stevie, you know. He's... Yeah, I think he, he really needs to work on his content. Um, and also I think, you know, you, you reap what you sow. If you want to be a troll, <laughs> then you might not get many likes. So, uh... <laughs> uh, Incredible. Yeah, so uh, um, in terms of uh, some of the – the other questions that we, you know, receive from people, uh, they wanted answers to. Safira asked, um, uh, how do you balance quality and quantity when it comes to social media? And that's a good question, actually, because mm. there's a lot going on. And, uh, and do you just do a snowstorm of social media or do you <laughs> do high quality and try and make it, make a point? Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm, we, we've helped kind of consult a few like church plants or not me personally, but our, our designers and uh, kind of connect them up. And we've always advised people less is more, particularly when you're starting out. So if, if you're looking at another church and you're thinking, oh, I want to get there and, and you try and produce too much, um, you're going to end up watering down the quality. And I think you're better off doing you know, having a goal with your team, hey, let's do three to five really good quality posts every week. And maybe that's even too much, but find your level and play within your game. And really, you know, honestly, I've said to some guys, honestly, do one really good post every week and spend time on that and then build from there. Because you're, you're really going to attract the right designers if, if there's something that they're inspired to. But if That's you're just so putting good. out garbage, so to speak, and I'm not trying to offend anyone, but some of it is, um, it, you know, it's just not going to inspire the people that you want that will take you forward. So right. you, you're better off putting up quality and having less. Um, because really, at the end of the day, we think if we post something, it's going to inspire someone to come to church. And that's just not true. It could actually uninspire them. And it could do the opposite of what you're hoping for. And some guys, I feel like they post and, and do too much. And I was almost, it's almost like I'm thinking I was going to come to church, but now I'm not, you know. Right. So you've got to be really careful. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's like a song, you know, mm. singing a song in church and, and the people are feeling, feeling it on the stage and just loving it, enjoying it. But but can misread the congregation. They got tired of that song about two minutes ago, and it was exactly. a good song. Yeah, uh, some preachers, you know, I'm telling man, that was a great message at 19 minutes, but at 45 <laughs> exactly. minutes, 
It was a horrible message. I hated it. I wanted you to finish. <laughs> you just went, just went that you were, you were loving it. You were having such a good time because that anointing you love the sound you know, of your makes voice. you feel, yeah, you're excited. You're, whoa, you know, and everybody's got to go along with you in your excitement, but you, you need to manage that anointing and manage that, that excitement and understand that we live in a very brief world these days. I mean, TikTok's got movies down to 15 seconds, for goodness sake. <laughs> exactly. And I think exactly. uh, TED Talks have reduced their time. It used to be 18 minutes. I think they're down to 13 now. Amazing. Uh, just, just trying to look after the whole idea of attention span and and distraction, et cetera, et cetera. I want to ask you one last question, uh, yeah. Josh. Um, and, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, um, uh, a, a revealing question. So you pick and choose how, how you'd like to answer, but what's the toughest thing you've faced in, in starting up and, and leading the church in New York? I think, um, the thing that comes to mind straight away is managing, um, what, well, Staying, staying emotionally healthy, so my internal world, um, and then how that affects um, my marriage and my kids. Um, just the, the weight and the pressure of handling everything here in New York City and constantly um, carrying that weight and not giving it to God um has at points been a, a big challenge and given me moments where i felt like i don't think i can make it you know i don't think i can do this anymore um and so it's it, and again the, the 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 grace of god has just gotten us through it will got got me through and um i think that's been the hardest thing is staying healthy internally emotionally in my thought life if, if that's healthy um, I spoke a message the other week. I said, all, all success starts internally. I actually heard that from Rich Wilkerson Jr. Uh, the other day. We were doing an interview together, and I thought, I, I know that in theory, but it just it really rang. It, it's been ringing around my head and my heart since he said that. I thought, you know what? It's so easy to focus on the outside. It's so easy to, as things start to happen in, in the church world, um, to focus on the outward success and miss the internal world. And so I think that's been the biggest challenge is staying focused on the main thing, which is my internal world, my private devotion. If that's strong, everything else flows from there. So just give us a little insight into what your private devotion is and uh, how you would deal with those discouragements, those, the, the, those times where you, you're feeling challenged over the weight of what you're doing. What, what, is that devotion? Is it a five-minute prayer in the morning? Is it a you know Bible reading, or is it more intense? Is it, how do you do that? When it builds up, um, it's you know like the other night, just going for a really long walk, and a lot of the walk was just silence, um, and then part of it's like crying out to God um, and build up. I I I've really for me, I have to you know spend two hours just kind of really 
Um, and, and the day is usually quite a, quite a good day. Um, and so if my first thought is picking up my phone and dealing with problems or emails or social media, it, it's usually a horrible day. But if my first thought is, is prayer, um, Bible reading, um, and also I've been doing a lot of um, re, uh, reading written prayers, so old private devotion prayers of other um, leaders, um, that's really helped me. Um, just to maybe give a bit more depth to my own prayer life um, and kind of it's like a window into someone else's devotion and that's kind of sparked new prayer and a new devotion to God. So during quarantine, that's really helped me is actually reading other people's prayers and then using that as a platform into my own prayer life. That's awesome. And I think the Psalms can help us with that too, you know, like... Um, oh, 100%, yeah. Uh, yeah. When, you, when you haven't got your own words, then maybe use David's or one of the Psalms or... And I think that's the value of having a heavenly language, you know. The, the gift of tongues is, is when you can pray through. We're doing a series on praying through right now, which is wow. the idea of praying your way through this crisis and not just you know, complaining your way through or um, discouraging your way through. Hey, um, final words, uh, Josh, to to all the pastors and leaders out there and uh, in these, in this last couple of minutes, uh, what what do you, what would you feel like saying to fellow pastors and soldiers and other leaders? Yeah, I was thinking about it when I saw um, Pastor Joshua from Jakarta and the post that C3 Global put up. And I was just filled with so much hope and gratitude and thankfulness for the movement. Um, just filled with such joy and actually wept when I saw the photo because I just, I'm just amazed what we get to be a part of. And I just say to pastors out there, you're probably doing better than you think. Um, God, God is so proud of your yes. And uh, he values you, um, experience has been great, or whether your Instagram is up to someone else's standard. At the end of the day, God just loves our yes and our worship and our devotion to him and everything else will flow out of that. And I think if we can avoid comparison um, and, and yet use comparison to challenge us to go higher, but I'd say avoid comparing and rather just understand that the Father is so proud of every pastor out there he loves us, and your yes is someone else's freedom. It's someone else's victory in your church, and that's that's what the church is really looking for is that Brilliant. perseverance and that faithfulness. That's awesome. So, yeah, get on Josh's Instagram, NYC Instagram people, and uh, the services over the weekend. Anybody in New York watching now, make sure you invite some friends along. And uh, I love that. I love that statement in the middle there where you said, let's create churches that people feel safe to invite their friends along too. And uh, so God bless you, Josh. Thanks, All Pastor to, Phil. To Georgia and the fam. And uh, yeah. we look forward to talking again soon. Definitely. Bless you. Love you. Love you, boss. Bye. See you then. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Trust that you were blessed by what Josh had to say there today. Uh, to find out more about C3 NYC, go to uh, c3.nyc on the internet and you'll find everything you need to know about that 
great congregation. I've been there several times. It is amazing. Guys, thanks for subscribing and for jumping on the podcast each week. Tag a friend. Let somebody else know about the podcast so that uh, they can enjoy the same content you are. Look forward to talking again with you next week. God bless. Bye now.